0: Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Welcome. If we were in a building together right now and you heard that show far, that means. Settle down, let's get ready, let's start. This is where you get your mind and your heart ready and whatever announcements we have to make, whatever we have to do, because once we turn it loose to the Holy Spirit, we don't interrupt Him. If you don't want to be a part of this part of the porch, just go to the next show shofar, which takes us into the Bible study. But if you'd like to be a part of this community, we're spread all out, spread out all over the place. It's easy for me to say. Um, various countries, various cities. And you have a praise report or a prayer request you'd like to share, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the email address, the porch, lowercase one word, at firefall dot com. If you don't want it posted, but you want the community to pray for you, that's great. We're also on uh Facebook under Firefall Talk Radio. However you can connect with us, do so if you feel the need. First of all, we start out praise reports and prayer requests. I praise the Lord that I'm here tonight to be with you. Praise Him for my home, my wife of 42 years. We celebrated that yesterday. For my sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, and all the furry kids we've had before and the two that we have now. I am blessed blessed beyond anything I ever thought could happen in my life. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I praise him for that. I praise him for his provision and his protection and his guidance over each and every one of us. For the dreams and the visions, for his healing virtues and the divine health that he promises us. For his abiding divine favor, the continued revelation of the Holy Spirit for making us a new creation, and letting us live in these prophetic times. But to do that, you better know how to pray. We start out by praying, Psalm 122, verse 6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. You might say, well, why do you do that, Richard? Well, Jerusalem is his nation. Those are his children. It is the apple of his eye. Every g- his gaze upon this planet radiates outward from Jerusalem. And we've been grafted into that vine as believers in Messiah, Yeshua. So I pray for their peace. I pray for their country. I pray for their leadership as I do for ours. I pray that God would get through to them however he needs to get through to them because this country is in trouble. But we need his grace and we need his favor. Praying for people all around the world that are being victimized by their leadership. People are showing who they are as we get closer to the end. Every day I pray for the fatherless. I'm a little excited. I'm fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the innocents and those that are victims of injustice. Please, please join me every day in praying that. There are people being mistreated and victimized in every walk of life for every reason. We do not have a justice system. We have a legal system. And you need to intercede for them. You need to intercede against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal, for missing and exploited children and those that are victims of human sex trafficking. What a horrible, satanic endeavor that makes people. People, millions and billions of dollars. I pray that those that are victimized would be saved, healed, and delivered. and Those that are doing it would be brought to justice and find their way to the Lord. Praying for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, religious persecution, anti-Semitism, all those things that seem to be increasing. Which means we must pray against the plans and the efforts of the spirit of the Antichrist, who I believe is waiting in the wings, manipulating world events for his coming out party. But that cannot happen till the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords decides. But we stand against him. Praying for all that are healing and injured or sick right now. Find your hope in Yeshua. Yes. Doctors are there for a reason. I've I've experienced that this week. Medicines can be there for a reason. But that reason is to get us to a place, starting point zero, where we can begin to live the life that was ordained for us. Some of what happens to us in this fallen world is done to us, and it's done to ourselves. But your faith and your hope is in him. And if you're struggling right now with something going on in your life, Get your eyes on him. Get it off of you. Turn off the music of the pity party. Nobody's dancing with you anyway. And get your eyes on him. Find your hope in him. And if you cannot find your hope in him, then you better get back to the cross. Get back to your salvation. But in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah... As if I was standing there with you, I lay my hands upon you and I say in the name of the Lord God Almighty, in accordance with his will and his word, be healed. Pray for the sick. Pray for divine protection, inspiration. I pray that every day for the remnant. For the remnant alarm clock to go off and awaken those that are already awake to the job and for those that don't know to know and to be called. So, we're talking about tonight the calling. And I continue to pray for the open doors and windows of blessings for the projects and the plans that we've been given for the porch, for SRT, for Firefall, for Kingdom finances, for Kingdom business, that He can be glorified, the enemy be stood up against and destroyed, people set free. And always, always, always pray for our lost family members. I'm the only one who's got something to say tonight in in regard here. Um, If you've heard me talk about Pastor Robert Shelley, my uh, spiritual mentor, my spiritual father, who um, fought to get me into the kingdom along with many other people, including my wife, stood against the powers of darkness on my behalf, did my deliverance and my baptism, started me in ministry, taught me everything I know has gone on to his eternal glory. That happened last week, last Thursday, actually happened Wednesday night. And pray for his family, pray for those that love him. He's good. He's good. And, uh, I'm sure he's happy right now. He didn't want to leave, but once he got there, he was like, this isn't so bad. I'm good with this. So he's gone, but only in body. His legacy lives on through me. So Father, in the name of Yeshua, your Son, our Lord and Savior, We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, we love you so much. And we want to know how to love you more. We want to know you more. We want more intimacy, more understanding. We want more fellowship with you. Help get rid of everything that gets in the way of that. Right now, send your spirit to every person listening and remove all the obstacles to that relationship with you. The one that Adam had, where he could walk in the cool of the evening. Father, thank you for sending Yeshua to die for us, shed his blood, so that we could be redeemed and reconciled to you. And Lord, Lord, We spent a lot of time talking more than, and we already talk a lot, almost 24-7. But during the circumstances of the last week, we took a lot of meetings. But the one thing I tell you then, and I've always told you, Lord, I love you. And I wish everybody knew that love. And I'm praying that they will, and it will grow I'm praying that your glory would shine down upon them, melt their hearts, take down the walls, open the doors so that they can know you the way you want to be known. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Let me back up. I got to thank you for the cross. Every day I do. I don't ever forget it, never will. Thank you for that. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the empty tomb in the upper rooms. for sending your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, to walk with us, to teach us, to guide us, and show us what you want from us. Have your way tonight, Holy Spirit. Do whatever you want to do. I've got all these notes, but I can throw them out in a heartbeat and say whatever you want me to say. But I pray that our minds would be clear, our hearts would be open, all obstacles and interferences bound, We just thank you for all these things. If you touch and agree with me, say amen. lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Blessed be the Father, the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope "...through the resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, from the dead, "...to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, "...who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. "...in this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials." the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 1, 6 says, We should greatly rejoice for the little while we must suffer. Joyful and praiseful acceptance of suffering and hardship comes from a secure foundation of faith in God and a resolution to accept and live out His will. This week I had a medical situation that put me in the hospital. And that could have been a dent in my faith because since I've been saved, 33 plus years now, I've lived by faith, have not needed a doctor for 22 of those years. But for whatever reason, this time he allowed this to happen. He allowed me to go into a hospital, which I've not been in since I was 12 and I'm 65. So this was a new experience and it could have shaken me, but it didn't. Because I immediately looked for what he was doing in the midst of the situation. And I found them. I found what he wanted me to know. I found what he was revealing. And I rejoiced in my faith in him. It doesn't mean I wasn't disappointed or upset and didn't get frustrated at that time. Because if you, if you want no rest, go to the hospital. And if you want to be frustrated by bad management, scheduling, and all the bad business things, go to a hospital. But it's okay because he was there with me. But if we are living out his will, if we accept and live out his will, then we are living the calling on our life. And I know that this topic, which I've talked about before, may cause some of you to disagree with me because you have been mis taught, misled, about the calling for many years in churches. But I believe that after I lay out my case in Scripture, you will either accept what I have to say or it will force you to re-examine it. But the calling on our life has nothing to do with the job in church. That was just the way man found a way to make some money from it calling in our life is purely spiritual, and it's to live out his will for us. Ephesians 4, first of all, I read you First Peter 1, 3 through 9, in case you want to know. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 8, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Messiah's gift, therefore he says, when he he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men second thessalonians one eleven says therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfil all the good pleasure of his goodness. And the work of faith with power. When you look at the word calling and the teaching of calling in the New Testament, it does not line up with what is being preached from pulpits and uh, digital media. It has nothing to do with what you are called to do in the kingdom of God. His calling is in His name. Matthew one twenty one, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua or Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeshua means salvation. Not only is he salvation, his name is salvation. There is no other name in heaven and earth by which we can be saved. That's his calling. He gives us his statement, his declaration, his mission statement for his ministry in Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he was brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which we know as Jubilee. He was anointed to bring the good news and the power of salvation to the children of Israel first and to everyone else next. That's his declaration. That's his ministry ministry mission statement. That was his calling. And because of the fulfillment of the calling in his name, we must call upon his name to initiate ours. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter in Acts 2.21, quoting from Joel 2. Romans ten thirteen for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's his calling. But this question arose as I was making these notes. How shall they know to call if no one tells them? Which took me to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south. Along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert or deserted place. So he arose and went. I like the fact there's no hesitation, there's no questioning. He just arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury, which means he was very trusted, very honorable, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the the eunuch said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in scripture which he read was he was led as a sheep To the slaughter as a lamb before Shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? of, Of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth, and I believe. The Holy Spirit took over, and beginning at this scripture, preached Yeshua to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you will believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing. Oh, that's powerful. Spirit didn't need Philip to stay there and get any accolades, get a hug, get any recognition. It wasn't about him. It was that moment that eunuch was born again. And Yeshua was his Savior, his Messiah. And it was his moment only. But he asked an important question. How could he understand unless someone guides him correctly? That is our calling. Our calling is to help others to know him, to know the Lord, to be saved. That idea of calling got hijacked in the late eighties and the early nineties when everybody got caught up into the offices of the church. And what office do you fill? I got the corner one, it's got the really good view, the air conditioning's great. No, 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 that's not the calling. We know by how he expressed the calling to the apostles. You see it in Mark 1, 16 through 20. One day as Yeshua was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for the fish for a living. And Yeshua called out to them, Come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And a little farther up the shore, Yeshua saw Zebedee's sons, John and John, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. That's calling. Messiah's people, us, are those who, whom he has called and who are rightly called by his name. One of the scriptures I quoted this last week was Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good. For, to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. You. You and I. We are a chosen generation. Oh, look at history. Look at prophecy. Look at what's happening right now. We are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that we may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the calling. He found me in darkness. He called me out of it. He delivered me from it. And then he said, now I need you to go back in there and do for others what I've done for you. And I will use you to do it. You've been chosen. You've been chosen elevated, you have been blessed, and you can praise his name in the midst of the darkness and be surrounded by the Shekinah glory of heaven that comes down and around you, that even no matter how dark or how bad or what's going on, you must look up to him. You must flip on that light. You must stop wallowing in the shadows, wallowing in the dark, and shake it off in the name of Jesus. So taking all of this together, we can conclude. You like that legal switch there? And, Your Honor, if we take this all together, we can conclude that the New Testament refers to the life of a believer as a calling. And then you have Hasatan, the accused. I object. Yeah, I will sit down and shut up. Ephesians one eighteen: the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let me say that again. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you, how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. His set apart ones. That's us. You've been set apart. Second Timothy one nine. Who who saved us and called us with a holy calling. Oops, just got a little tighter. It's a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Messiah Yeshua before the end of time, Second Peter one ten. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. I think most people stumble in their walk, and especially in ministries, because they're doing things they're not supposed to be doing. We have pastors that are really prophets, And unfortunately, the only way you can make money in the church is to be a pastor. So people take jobs they should never take. We got people being pastors who are not teachers. Oh boy, I've sat and listened to some of them. We need to understand who we are in him. And the calling isn't about the job that you do. It's about who you are in him and who he is in you. And when you look at it, it's, it's shown in a comprehensive way to depict what has happened to those who through the Father's love are now called children of God. The calling changes us into his children. First John 3, 1 John 3:1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, Because it did not know him. Why, why, why do we spend so much time wanting the world to accept us? Why do we need their accolades? Why do we need their permission? Why do we need their laws? That was a scam by the devil. It started through Constantine to use the governments to subject the church and tie them down. Why do we care what the world thinks about us? It hates us. It mocks us. It mocks our Lord. But yet... We act like the world. We do the things of the world. We want to be accepted. We want to fit in. We want our own, we want our own movies, our own shows. I, I, I belong, to, because of my background, I belong to a lot of the Christian film groups. I wanted to say something today, but the Lord said no because I started to get involved in the conversation. And I don't want to say, then why, why are we making faith-based films? Why don't we just make films? Why don't we just make movies and TV shows that have a message but tell a story? It's about storytelling. Steven Spielberg isn't a Jewish filmmaker. He's a filmmaker that happens to be Jewish, and that influences his storytelling. Frank Capra wasn't a Catholic filmmaker. He's a filmmaker that was Catholic that allowed his faith and his beliefs to enter into the stories that he told. He was so busy trying to fit into this world, we just mess it up. I don't want this world to like me. That's not that's not the job. I'm called to shake things up. I'm called to set the captives free. I'm called to go and take the lamb out of the lion's mouth whole. However, there are further callings that lead us to special ministries. Acts 13.2 as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. It's tremendous clue here in Acts thirteen two. It's the Holy Spirit that does the calling. It's the Holy Spirit that gives the assignments. The Spirit calls us for kingdom work. We don't choose it. You can't go to a class and get a certificate or go to some place or some building. It's his job. He does chooses us. Nobody can give you a test and say, oh, well, this is what you're called to do. These are where your talents are. That's human, humanistic, secular reasoning. The Spirit calls us for kingdom work. Second Thessalonians 2.13 But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning has chosen you for salvation through sanctification, by the Spirit, and belief in truth. Now you may be sitting there saying, what does the Spirit want me to do? I don't know. He may give me revelation knowledge and I can lead you, but I can't tell you, but I know this much He will show you if you're willing to listen. And I can tell you from personal experience what He showed me in the beginning changed along the way because He was preparing me for something else. But the gifts and the calling reveal each other. And both are under the control of the Holy Spirit. Not man, not programs. Only, only him. But I do believe that it will correlate in some way to where the Lord found you and saved you from. Because now you have a testimony. So that word calling... If you want the Strong's number, it's G2821, Klesis. It's used as origin or nature or destiny, which are heavenly. And it's used especially of God's invitation to man to accept the benefits of salvation. Sometimes it's called vocation. And it's foundation of teachings in the New Testament, especially in the writing of Paul. I'm sure that Paul figured out along the way that everything he had done before, all the awful things, but having studied under Gamaliel and knowing everything he knew, being the student that he was, his calling would involve that because he would be refuting it and teaching, become the teacher of the New Testament Book of Acts Church. But there's a goal to the calling. There's an end game, if you will. Romans 11:29 for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. If he's declared it, if the Spirit's decided it, it's irrevocable. You can run from it, you can short circuit it, but it's irrevocable. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1:26 for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I shared in my book, The Supernatural Battle, of how when I got saved and then I got to Tallahassee, and Pastor Shelley asked me to sit down on a deliverance session that was being done by some very uh, high level elders in the church. And they asked me to sit in and watch, and I was watching them. There was a girl in the middle of the room, um, the prayer room, in a chair. Uh, her friend apparently was sitting in another chair in the back of the room, and they were doing this deliverance according to the Bible and according to a book called Pigs in the Parlor. Now I'm sitting there watching, and now I'm not saved more than two years, actually less than two years. And when it was over, because Shelly wanted me to give him a report of what I thought, and when it was over, I tried to slip out of the room. And one of the women who became a good friend in um, mentor or teacher I said where are you going you were here to give us a report tell us what you think we know you came out of all this what do you think and then somebody else said what do you think and these two couples husbands and wives leaders in the church asked me what i thought and i said well i think demons can read one of them said what does that mean i said well you reading your book with the girl over there the girl in the back who had her own demons was telling her what was coming and that's why you got nothing done. Well, that one of them agreed with me, the one who first asked and became a friend and mentor. And then they got into this little argument, and I slipped out. And the next day, and I'm telling you all this for a reason. I'll explain it. The next day, I go to give my report at the church. And I go to the church, which is the Old Christian Heritage in Tallahassee, Florida. And Shelley shows up. And you have to get the visual. This was a man's man. This was a, st- a strong he had, you know, rides horses and uh, flew planes, crashed a bunch, and golden glove boxer. And he, he wore clean pressed jeans with cowboy boots and a starch ironed white shirt with the, the cuffs rolled up about, about mid forearm. And he comes walking down the hallway from his office because he knew I was there. And I gave him my report. And he goes, Well, I, I completely agree with you. And that's why I disbanded the deliverance team. Now, even then, I knew that everybody was coming from all over Tallahassee to get deliverance as a Christian heritage because nobody else would do it. And I went home. I said, well, then who's going to do the deliverances? Now, there were two other men in the room with me, a black man from Miami and a redneck Southern guy from Alabama who I had known from a retreat but didn't know him very well. And Shelley looked at me and patted me on the shoulder and said, you are a sport and they're going to help you. And then he just walked turned around and walked out. So the Spirit had already given me assignment, and it had begun me in one aspect of what I was called to do. And the great thing was is the three of us became very um, productive, and I, I called us God's sense of humor, a New York Street Italian, a black guy from Miami, and a redneck from Alabama who had a drawl so thick, one time he was at my house, and the phone rang, and he picked it up and answered it, and it was my mother. He handed it to me, and my Italian mother in New York said, who the heck was that? I said, that's Bubba. (laughs) That's God's calling. That's his sense of humor. The calling of God is irrevocable. And nobody in that church would have chosen me for that position. In fact, it caused some controversy. But see, not many wise are called according to the flesh. Not mighty, noble are called. He chooses who he wants to choose. You look at the disciples. You look at everybody in history has chosen to work for him with a calling. But then it gets to a point in 1 Corinthians 7.20 where you start to question, but it says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. And this is where people go wrong. They go to churches that have uh, places that have classes and this and that. Well, no, I think I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to sing. I'm supposed Stay where he planted you until he uproots you. So it takes me back to Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is it the saying there? It's his calling. It's not yours. It's his Philippians three fourteen I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, the Messiah Yeshua. It's a high calling. 2 Thessalonians one eleven. Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Now you can disqualify yourself. You can screw things up. But if it's his calling and the Spirit guides you and the Spirit empowers you, you will succeed because it's not about you. But you do need, like in Second Peter 1.10, you need to be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will not stumble. People stumble when they get outside of the zone they're supposed to be in. There are people that want the accolades and the stage that have no business preaching or teaching. But it's a holy calling. we got to remember that. Everything we do represents him. Everything we do is for the kingdom. It's not for us. It's not vainglorious. It's not about building our own kingdom. But it's according to his purpose and his grace that was given to us through Messiah even before time began. So your calling is a holy calling. But we have an example, Yeshua. He is our example in everything. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Messiah Yeshua. Hebrews 3 1. I've already explained that this could be correlated to the word invitation. You've been called, you've been invited. The parables talk about being invited to a celebration, to a marriage supper. This is different. Now you're saved. Now you're born again. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You've been given a job in the Father's business. You have to. Well, you don't have to. You should. Let me rephrase that. You should. You can do whatever you want. You can disregard everything I say, unless it's Scripture. You can disregard my opinion, you can't disregard Scripture. But you should want to allow the Spirit to guide you into what you are called to do, how to do it, where to do it, when to do it. And in that guidance, in that direction, in that correction, there may come a period where you go to the school of the Spirit and it takes you off the the field for a little while. Or maybe you need some rest or whatever. He's the captain of the hosts and the Spirit is the one who relays his orders. If you walk worthy of God who calls you, into his kingdom and glory, you will walk in such a way that you will do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything you can think or imagine. But there is one ultimate calling. It's a calling to an eternal inheritance. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. We've been called into fellowship with his son, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Paul tells us in Galatians 1, 1 through 8, that we've been called to service. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus the Messiah and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father, and our Lord Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Messiah to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Messiah. Our calling is to tell the truth in love. Our calling is to know the word. Our calling is to be able to give a good reason of why we believe what we believe. And it's through grace. It clearly says that you've been called in the grace of Messiah. Galatians 1.6 I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Messiah to a different gospel. People who leave him, people who wander away, people who begin to li- believe the lie and the progressive message that's out there have been called, have been pulled into the darkness and away from him. And if they get pulled too strong and get too far away, there's no coming back. We've been called to his gospel to obtain, obtain the glory of Messiah through the hearing of the gospel. And the grounding of this calling, the backing of this calling, the foundation of this calling is grace, who has saved us and called us with the holy calling. I read this already and we'll read it again. Second Timothy 1.9. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Messiah Yeshua before time began. The starting point for the divine calling is not works, not anything you do, but the purpose and grace of God in Messiah Yeshua. And the end result of that calling is upward. Paul said he was pressing on to the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call in Messiah. It's a heavenly calling. It's a holy calling. And it's filled with the hope and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk, to lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you've been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Living... As becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, which is humility, meekness, which is unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. For so there is one body and one spirit, just as also one hope that belongs To the calling that you received. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Our God and Father of us all. Who is above all, sovereign over all, pervading all and living in us all. We need to live a life worthy of the calling. And that calling is to tell them about Yeshua. Get people saved, healed and delivered. I've said this before, but it correlates because of what I did and and the dramatic nature of the beginning of my ministry. People introduce me as a deliverance minister, and I will stop them. Yes, deliverance is a part of my ministry, just like it was a part of the Lord's. No, I'm I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm a minister of Yeshua. I do what he does. But we need to walk worthy of this calling. We need to cherish it. We need to value it. We need to know what it is. And how do you do that? By and through the Holy Spirit, not by men, not by programs or classes, through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will reveal the calling, and he will reveal the gifts for the calling, and he will give them to you as you need to fulfill the calling that he's given you. God has chosen us to be converts for salvation through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, that we would trust and rely on the Spirit of truth. And finally, this is the part of the service where the preacher says, finally, and everybody's looking at their watch thinking, can they make the buffet at uh, the Golden Corral in time? Finally, the, the calling, we are called and chosen to be faithful to be with the Lamb. Revelation seventeen fourteen. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Ending that, indicating that those whom God has called, which is saved, he glorifies. Romans 8.30, moreover, whom he predestined. These he also called, whom he called. These also he justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. And whether you die or whether you fly, once you are justified, once you come into the finality of the calling, you receive that glorious inheritance. As I said, I know Shelley didn't want to go. I didn't want him to go, that's for sure. But he has graduated. He's fulfilled the calling. He's received his glorious body. And I know I'll see him again. And it'll be like no time has passed, and we'll pick right up. What are you going to do about this calling? Are you going to do something about it? You keep, are you going to keep living the life you're living the way you're living it? That's your choice. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on to the higher calling. I'm going to press on to finish the race. I'm going to press on to do everything the Lord has shown me to do in dreams and visions and words that have been confirmed. I'm going on. The calling pulls me, the calling drives me, it fuels me, it empowers me. So Father, I pray for your children. I pray that they've heard. And if they've heard, I pray that they've listened. And they've allowed your spirit to speak to them through me. And I pray that whatever it is you want them to do, you've begun to reveal it to them. And you've begun the process of preparing them to do it. And if you've already done that, I pray that you would expedite, explode, empower it. So that they can do it more efficiently than they've ever done it before. But Lord, let your will be done. It's all about you. It's all about your will. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do as he wills. To us and through us. Show us what needs to be changed, what needs to be sharpened, what needs to be filed down, areas that need to be tweaked or healed or completely removed. For I, for one, believe that we're stumbling towards the times of the end. And those who are called and chosen must rise up and take their position, not in religion but in relationship, not in the form and formality of what we've been fooled with, but in the remnant of the living God to do the work that needs to be done before the king returns. He's coming back no matter what we do. We don't have anything to do with that, but we do have a job. And as I sat there in the hospital at one point, late at night, dark in my bed. I thought about what was going on. I knew what the enemy was trying to do, but I also knew what the Lord was showing me. I made sure that I got the lesson right, and I shared it with him, and he confirmed it. The one thing I said as I was praying, I spoke into the Spirit. And I said, Hasatan, if you and any of the fallen or any of the ones that have aligned themselves against me think this is going to stop me, you are so wrong. The only one who can stop me is the Lord. I'm going to finish the job. So I pray, I pray for you, brothers and sisters. I pray for my heart. You would find that passion. You would find that in you to be able to say that, to know what it is to be done, because it's coming. The moment is coming where this is going to pop off so fast you're not going to have time to go to your notes or to replay a session of the ports. It's got to be in you. You've got a note. It's got to be written in your heart, written on your mind. The scriptures have got to be in your mouth so that you can just speak them out. I pray that you would have that. You have received it. And that you believe it. And if you agree with me. I mean... Honestly, now, if you agree with me, say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.